0: What kind of feeling, for those of you who grew up in church or have been involved in church for a while, what kind of feeling is elicited in your life when you hear the word evangelism? Yes, there's a lot of particular feelings that might be... Okay, good. Who did that back there? Okay, go out this hour, and I want you to go do it and uh, come back and talk to... (laughs) Uh, You know, uh, for those of you who might be seekers here, um, the word evangel what evangelism describes is just simply uh, believers in Jesus explaining to others how they can have a relationship with God through Jesus. That's evangelism. And um, getting a little used to this, it's a little darker here with my 48-year-old eyes so uh, <clears throat> than I'm used to, but we'll see. I'll pull it up closer to me. Um, yeah, different feelings can arise. And uh, for most of you, Uh, You might have an impression of what evangelism means when you hear the word, right? Uh, Some of you, it might be like, I went to any Red Sox fans out there? Uh, Tough year, but anyway, we'll get them next. You with the Yankee shirt? No, I'm kidding. Hey, look at this. It's kind of like, what is it? Bud lights, okay. Bug lights, oh, I'm sorry. Woo, we're getting a good start here. Bud lights. When you hear evangelism, you think Bud lights. Well, I'm <laughs> very interested to hear why. But Well, when I say this, one of the images that you could, uh, uh, could conjure up in your mind if you've ever been to a Red Sox game or to things in uh, Boston is there's a fellow with a uh, sandwich board, right, that has tracks out of every single available place he could uh, distribute them. And he... Uh, it, it just very clearly says, you're going to hell unless you go to God, unless you come to God. And he's very, he's very diligent. I, ever since I've been here 17 years, I've seen the same guy out there. I gotta hand it to him for his, uh, consistency. But you may think of that when you think of evangelism. Uh, maybe you think about it as, uh, a particular week, a revival week at church and, and people are brought or a special service and someone like Neil, Pastor Neil or, 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 uh, Brian or someone brings a word and, and shares very clearly about Jesus and people come to him, um, in faith. They come to him. Maybe you think of, uh, something like, uh, going out street, something that I've done. I think, uh, Neil and I have done this a few times with, with guitars and, uh, maybe you amp up and you're singing on the guitar. Somebody does a drama, uh, you know, we, uh, We've done that before out on Harvard Square. Pizza was flying, some different things, but it was interesting. But then someone stands up with a microphone and tells people how they can come to know Jesus. Uh, Maybe you think of it in a different way, but a lot of the images that we have of evangelism are terrifying, you know, or at least they bring mild discomfort. And uh, really, today, a desire that I have, and And something that uh, I would hope you would get a hold of is is that evangelism is really something as a part of our life. I want to explain it this way. That evangelism is inviting, you notice the word? Evangelism is inviting people to the great party of God. That's what evangelism is. It's not just going out there to tell people. Of course, it is true. The reality is there is a heaven, there is a hell, there's realities going on and we are into that and understand that. But, the, but the, the grace of God is that we would see that evangelism is inviting people into the great party of God. Say that with me. Inviting people. Oh, y'all are better. You, you're very educated. <laughs> I was giving you two words at a time. <clears throat> you know, God is not a cosmic killjoy looking to extinguish all forms of laughter uh, from the face of the earth. God is the author of life. Anything that the devil produces is, a, uh, is a, um, an imitation at best and uh, a destructive uh, force uh, for sure at worst. And that the devil can never create anything. The devil was not the creator of pleasure, by the way. The enemy of God in no way Has the corner of the market and pleasure, he actually, uh, twists, perverts, and everything the devil is doing toward our lives is to decrease our pleasure ultimately. Now, he'll give you some pleasure to begin with, like, it's like the, uh, the, um, heroin dealer or the, what, whatever other kind of drug, the methamphetamine, they'll give you something to start with and get you going and you will have a good time. But the diminishing returns and the ultimate end of that is destruction. And so, God, is actually into your fulfillment much, much more, and into people's fulfillment much more than uh Satan himself. God, this is the way that I say it. I'd like you to remember it this way: God is not a killjoy. He is a give joy. He's an eternal give joy. That's what he desires to do. Now, we will talk later about the fact things are coming to your mind. Well, life's not easy, there are trials. What about the people that have died for their faith in Christ. I am not comp- I am not contradicting that whatsoever. Anyone who desires to live a life in Christ, Jesus will be persecuted. There will be sufferings. I'm not talking. Jesus did not promise us an easy life. He promised us an abundant life. That life is what I'm talking about today. He promised a life that overcomes in the midst of adversity, a life that really is truly to the fullest. And I want to look today at a passage and kind of break that thing down so that you can understand a little bit more about God's heart in evangelism and sharing about Jesus. Why don't you turn in your Bibles or your Bible app or your phone, if you have an actual paper Bible, anybody out there? An actual paper Bible. Papal. Paper Bible. Papal. The Pope was in town, so I kind of got a hold of that. Well, if you can look up Luke chapter 14 and verses... 15 through 24. We're going to read that today. And um, this is a parable, a story that Jesus told, and he was explaining to his disciples, to his followers, he was giving them a key to what God is really like, and to really what our role is, as the, as the sermon is titled, as this message is titled, our role in the party, okay? So why don't you read this with me as we're looking up here on the screen? The first said, I've just bought a field, and I must go and see it. Please excuse me. Another said, I have just bought five yoke of oxen, and I'm on my way to try them out. Please excuse me. Still another said, I just got married, so I can't come. The servant came back and reported this to his master. Then the owner of the house became angry and ordered his servant, go out quickly into the streets and the alleys of the town and bring in the poor the crippled, the blind, and the lame. Sir, the servant said, what you ordered has been done, but there is still room. Then the master told his servant, go out to the roads and country lanes and compel them to come in so that my house will be, what's the word there? Full. I tell you, not one of those who were invited will get a taste of my banquet. So we look here. We're going to observe a passage, and from this this story that Jesus told, a few things about God, and a few things about what it means to share with others about His love. The first uh, thing that we want to look at here is um, that God is a banquet host. God Himself, Jesus, is giving an illustration here of what His Father is truly like. God is a banquet host. Something God takes great pleasure in is preparing a banquet. One of the things in my personal life as I pray and worship Jesus on a daily basis, one of the things that I thank Him for is that He is the bridegroom of His bride, the church. And He's preparing for us, get this word, a sumptuous feast. He's the bridegroom of the bride. He is preparing. God is into that eternal... uh, uh party of the ages that, that does not cause destruction, but causes honor to God and good for everyone involved. God is a banquet host. Why? Because He loves to lavish His grace and His goodness upon people. Aren't you glad that God is not insecure? I mean, there's so many reasons why we may give a banquet. There's so many reasons why we may do something. But God Himself, out of the overflow of His goodness, wants to share His glory with us. Not that we would steal His glory, but we would share in His glory and honor Him. God is a banquet host. He is into that. Everyone feels cherished when someone throws a party for them, right? If you've ever uh, had someone throw a party for you, unless you didn't know about it and you didn't want it to happen. When my first year of marriage, my wife invited the entire church over to our house and I wasn't ready for it, so. But in the general sense, it was a great party. But in the general sense, everyone feels cherished. God is the ultimate banquet host. Praise His holy name. I want to warn you, as my my the congregation I share with regularly knows that I oftentimes get very excited about Jesus, and so when I say praise His holy name, you may notice. It's starting to tweak up. And I invite you to join with me. It's not going to hurt you. God is a banquet host. Say banquet host. Oh, we love you, God. That you are good. And the Father, the second thing we observe here, is that the Father has an abundance. Let me ask you this question today. Do you view God as a God of abundance? When you... Look at the person next to you and what they have, maybe financially or smarts or looks or this or what they're receiving. Do you see that there's only so much of blessing to go around? That because they're blessed, you're not. God never has intended it that way. God has an abundance When we begin living in a scarcity mentality, when we don't have an understanding of the abundance of our God, that's when we begin comparing ourselves among ourselves. I know myself that I've been in meetings or in places where something great happened for someone when I was single for many, many years, right? There was a point when you're 33, 34, 35, and whatever age, when people are really going for it and excited about getting married that... uh, Inside, something in my heart kind of twisted. Felt like God wasn't being abundant with me. I want to tell you this, if you are single in this room, I have understanding of where you're at because, it's just a little side note here, <clears throat> I was so well known for being single in the day that a friend of mine named Jason was forlorn because someone else got engaged, you know, and he, he didn't know where his life was going. And he he created a song... <laughs> and he made me sing it with him at the engagement party. I mean that. <laughs> and the name of the song was this. I'm honest with you, promise you, he made me play Congas while he was playing it. Everybody's getting married. Every. Can I get a clap? Getting married. Well, i do it again. Everybody's getting married. Except for me and Jeff Bianchi. That was the name of the song. But you see, we have a God of abundance. We can't look at other people's lives and say, because he's given them this, he's withholding from me. You know, sometimes God withholds things from our lives because he's storing up something huge for our future. Sometimes we're withheld from, we feel that. I know you have felt that, some of you, in in various ways. But if you look at the people in the Bible, Joseph, withheld, actually in a prison, and he did not realize at that time that God was storing up. Oh, I love this Scripture. Uh, Anyway, we could talk about any one of the number... I'll go to that Scripture in a second. Any one of the number of women who was barren in Scripture, Hannah the mother of samuel who was barren and peninnah her the rival wife what a bummer by the way a rival wife that doesn't sound good but the rival wife was having children left and right they were popping out you know kids and 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 peninnah was just egging her on she was just saying you're not having a baby i got the baby i got the goods anyway hannah was grieved over this but who remembers Anyone out there, name one of Peninnah's daughters or sons. Oh. huh. What's Hannah's son's name? I just told you, but if you didn't know all you scholars out there. Samuel. I love the scripture in the book of Psalms. It says this. How great is your goodness that you store up for those who trust in you. Man, you may be in a season of your life and you're saying, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I'm feeling left out. I'm telling you right now, you just consider it a storing up time. God's storing something up. The key is you keeping your faith. Anyway, God is a banquet host. The Father has an abundance. Say the word abundance. Oh, abundance. We have no idea. He is able to bless each and every one of us richly. There is no limit. Limitless supply. My wife is from Alaska. Anybody been to Alaska? Ooh, wonderful place. They have... Uh, the pipeline, I've visited the pipeline in Alaska. That thing is huge. And the supply, I mean, I can't even tell you, billions and billions and billions of gallons have been sh- shot through that, uh, that pipeline, uh, which is hundreds of miles from the Prudhoe Bay down to, the, to somewhere, <laughs> uh, down to where we live, Prudhoe Bay's way in the north. And, but you know what? That supply is running out. That supply, they're tweaking it back. I think it's down to a third of what it originally carried. And uh, it's running out. Man, that was like a limitless supply when you saw it. You want to talk limitless supply? The grace of God. The abundance of God for your life and for my life. Not only in the age to come, but in this age. The abundance to overcome. When someone says something about you. When you feel rejected. When you feel left out. When you feel less than. The abundance of your God. I'm going to take a little rambling license today. I just want to let you know something. Romans chapter 8 and verse 11. Did you know that the same God that raised Jesus Christ from the dead, the same Spirit that raised Him from the dead, lives in you? Right now! If you know Jesus, and He'll give life to your mortal body, there's abundance, limitless supply. Praise His name. Yes. So God is a banquet host. We see that clearly here. God is a God of abundance. And God sends out, here's the key. Here's, here's the real key here. God sends out many invitations. He sends out many invitations as the scripture says here, uh, as Jesus shares about this, this, uh, banquet. He says that, um, at the time of the banquet, he said, "Sent to a servant to tell those who had been invited." I'm sorry, I'll go back. A certain man was preparing a great banquet and invited many guests. God is not um, is not exclusive in His love. Praise His holy name. Um, you, I'll give you an illustration in contrast here. Anybody ever seen the movie? Um, Father of the bride, the newer version, uh, the newer version, which is twenty years old. <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> I think it's as new as I can get. Anybody seen it? Steve Martin from Waco, Texas, by the way, where he was born. Interesting little fact. Steve Martin's in there, and he's freaking out. I would freak out like him too. I did the numbers—like four hundred people coming to his daughter's wedding, hundred, you know, two hundred and sixty-five dollars a head, or something. You know, it was like huge numbers. But Steve Martin—they're sitting around the. the and his little, the little son and his wife, and they're going through the invitation list, right? And he's saying, who can we get to not invite to this thing, you know? Who can we ask to not eat any food? Uh, my mother and your you know, brother or whatever. And then all of a sudden they're going through, and, and the wife uh, comes up. They're looking through a list of names on a Rolodex or something. And she comes up with this name. She says, Sam Thompson. Whatever happened to him? And one of the kids goes, he died. I think he died last year. And Steve goes, yes, good. This is a this is complete contrast from God. God is not looking to eliminate anyone from the party. God is looking to draw everyone into His own party. You know there is theology that goes around, and I know I've been um, involved in theological conversations for my years, <laughs> and uh, there are there are theological things around that God has only invited a few. And I want to say, I don't agree with that. I want to say, Scripture does not agree with it in the overhaul sense. The invitations are many. Those who receive, it's up to them. Who are we to say who has invited the party? When God says a couple of things here. Right here, John chapter 3 and verse 16. All of you know this one. For God so loved the world that He gave His one and only Son that whoever believes in Him shall not perish but have eternal life. 1 Timothy 2 3 and 4, this is good and pleases God our Savior who wants some people? Elected people? I'm sorry. I just hit the ultimate conversation. Let me retract that slightly. We can debate later, but the reality is God wants all people to be saved and to come to a knowledge of the truth. Scripturally it says as well, that God's heart is broken over those who are lost and, and do not receive of His mercy it is very clear in Scripture. God sends out many invitations. I am not saying, as I said before, that everyone is going to receive Jesus. That's not true. It's not that kind of inclusive thing. There is one way and there is one door, and we must receive the invitation. But it is very clear that God, the banquet host, Has an abundance. He's wanting to bless abundantly. He's wanting to do it in such a way. And he sends out many, 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 many invitations. The a question I have for us today and really convicting to me. No condemnation in this. Because I don't want you to start thinking more about you. Think about how good he is. How many invitations went out in Beverly this week to the banquet of God? To the banquet in this life and in the life to come. I know oftentimes I'm guilty of this. I think in the group mentality. Well, we're doing it. We're inviting. And everybody gets group mentality. Who's the we? And when it comes down to me, it's like I haven't really invited anybody for a long time. I encourage you to be inspired that you're taking part of something great here. Got banquet host. Father has an abundance. And here's the next thing. The Father is proactive. Proactive in gathering people. He's proactive. He not only invites many guests, then He sends His servants out to go and make invitations and make sure everything is ready. He sends His servants out. Make sure everything is ready. Who are God's servants? In, in this, the, the banquet host, of servants, if we're seeing the banquet host as the Father, who are His servants? Not a very hard question. Those who know and experience a relationship with Jesus Christ. We are His servants. We are His friends. We are His intimate companions. But we are His servants sent out to make sure that everything is ready. This part I really want you to see. Who we are in this story are those who pass out the party invitations and encourage people to come into the Father's feast. We're called to pass out party invitations. You see, I have seen and maybe you have seen our role is uh or you've seen the role that others have taken as uh being the bummer person you know uh i know you're having a really good time out there uh but um you know uh why don't you uh come i want to in- i'm sorry for interrupting your party world out there uh, i'm sorry about that uh but you're going to go to hell and you need to cut it out and you need to leave that fun and come with us but then it'll get fun later once we get to heaven There's a Hebrew word for that, as a pastor of mine and Neils used to say. May not make sense to you up here in the Northeast, but it's baloney. No, absolutely, (laughs) absolutely not. Is hell a reality? Must we plead with people, even with tears at times? Absolutely. I'm not questioning that. But what is our motivation and overflow? We are inviting people into something that's better than a life that they could have had. In any other way, do we truly believe that the life of God with its frailties, with its suffering, with its death at times, with its insecurity at times, but that the life because Jesus is with us, that that life is a better life than any other life someone could live? Oh, God, let us see it that way. The opposite is true. We are the invitation givers. Leave the less fulfilling endeavors of the world to come to the eternal party of God. Leave these less fulfilling endeavors. They could fulfill you to some degree. But I can tell you this, they will not ultimately meet the God-shaped vacuum in the heart of people. It's very clear that uh, um, we we can go around. I believe it was, I can't remember which billionaire it was. They said, how much is enough money? And he said, just a dollar more than I got. There's somewhere in there, right? In the book of Ecclesiastes, it says, as goods increase, so do those who consume them. And to me, that means as, as we get more, our appetite increases. It's like you're chasing it around. You get more. If you're, if you're living for that, it's not wrong to have. But if you're getting more and your desire is for that, more relationships, more, more of this, that, and the other, more money, more of this, then your desire will automatically increase, which will cause ultimately. A dissatisfaction. You know the most convincing people. I've spent we've spent many weeks talking to you about this party, and it needs to be communicated with you, whether you believe it or not. I pray that we would walk it together <laughs> uh, and learn it. Is that um, the kingdom of God is really better than the world's party? The most convincing people of that are the ones who are convinced themselves. You know, I want to give you a little illustration here. I became uh, convinced of the greater party of God in my own life in college. I I suffered from, um, you know, God is a killjoy joyitis or something like that. Uh, when I grew up, I grew up in a church and I had a big head, say big head, small heart. You know that? Oh, yeah, I know all about that. Yeah, I know about Jesus. He died. Yeah, he rose again. Uh-huh. Yeah, I know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, unless hot tears are streaming down your face about the fact that Jesus Christ died on the cross for you, you don't know it, and neither do I. I'm sorry, in love. It is very, but I had a big head. I had all kinds of understanding about it, but I had a wrong perception of what God was really like. The fun was really out there, and God was trying to keep me in uh, these boundaries. You may have different thoughts, but why don't you just join with me in... (laughs) in gathering people uh, for God. Anyway, I became convinced of this great party because I had a small view of what God was like. I really saw everything as being restrictive. And so I began to, as I headed toward college, I um, went to College Station, Texas. I went to Texas A&M University. And I got involved in all kinds of things there because I had this sense that there's something out there, right? You ever had that feeling? There's something out there that's illicit or or, you know, there's, there's something out there that's better. And so I had this misunderstanding and I began to uh, give myself slowly and surely, right? It doesn't start um, overnight, but again, slowly and surely giving myself to the things of the world. I began pursuing, uh, pursuing the things of the world. Now, hey, I want to say this, by the way. <laughs> there's those who pursue their own desires through hedonism like I did. There's also those who pursue their own desires through being good people. <laughs> it's, it's not the fact that you are doing terrible stuff externally or not. It's is your source for enjoyment and life in God or is it in yourself? And it isn't you finding the way to do that. So anyway, in my life, that's how it worked out. And um, I got involved with the fraternity and I, things began spiraling out of control. Let me see. Let me read here a little of what I said uh, about myself there my grades were in the dumps. I was getting deeper into a lifestyle of drugs and alcohol, sexual promiscuity. I had a series of broken relationships. Emptiness was the word that described me. God got a hold of me my junior year of life, uh, junior year in college, and I surrendered my life, and I began to learn about the abundant life. It was kind of crazy because I was in a fraternity, and uh, we had about a 100 or so guys, and not a one of them was a Christian that I knew of. At least they hadn't blown their cover yet, if you know what I'm saying. Not one of them acknowledged God, and so they thought I was a little bit odd. But I began to get in. I had a realization my junior year that, that um, what the world had to offer. You know, the advantage sometimes when you hear in Revelation, be hot or cold, Do you know that? Where, where Jesus is speaking to the church of Laodicea, and He says, "You need to either be hot or cold, or else you're lukewarm, and I'll spew you out of my mouth." Um, I think it is concerning sometimes that we, uh, uh, my my coldness toward God at that extreme level, gave me the revelation that it takes some people a whole lifetime to get to. You know, sometimes people are just lukewarm; they're not really doing that bad of stuff but they're pursuing their own desires to the very end. I'm, I'm saying God wants to wake all of us up today at a new level with no condemnation, with open arms of love, saying, enter my joy and enter my, my party. Uh, but anyway, I I came to the end of my rope, and I gave my life to Jesus. My fraternity brothers thought I was a nutcase. And for the first time, though, in my life, I felt free. I I was able to share with my fraternity brothers about what jesus had done in my life they looked at me i thought Phi delta theta which was my fraternity i thought it was going to become a national movement in one year everyone saved two million people you know or however many people there were i was thoroughly convinced well i met some hard realities i invited a couple of guys to a bible study i became i became chaplain you know how i became chaplain there how am i doing on time needing to wrap it up aren't i five minutes okay i became a chaplain and uh And uh, uh, they were like, well, Bianchi had a religious experience. Maybe he could become our chaplain. Uh, And I had that. I invited a couple of my close friends to a Bible study, and they were like, I'm out of here. You're nuts. Anyway, John, I want to just share this about the party of God, that John, uh, one of my best friends, uh, I I began to invite him into that life and that party of God. He was one of the wildest guys that I knew. He was definitely one that led me uh, into a lot of things, but I kept Meeting with him, I kept inviting him into the party of God. John was a partier to the nth degree. He didn't seem very impressed by my decisions to walk with Jesus. He's like, Bianc, Bianc, man, come and join the party. Anyway, we'd go out to lunch together. I'd share with him about God and about the, the revelation of God's goodness. In my own life, I had troubles, obviously still. It didn't, wasn't just a magic wand, but I'd share with him about it. And I... I uh, but the whole while, he'd, he'd kind of taunt me, you know, a bit. And he'd say, man, you know, whatever, Bianca, go on. And a year after college, I'm, I'm, uh, I've graduated and I'm doing a training school similar to your Navigate school. I'd moved to Waco, which was 90 miles away, and I receive a phone call. And uh, I, I was asleep and I was awakened to this phone call and I kept hearing what I heard was weeping on the other end of the phone. Weeping. And then I, I was like, who is it? And he, he goes, Bianc, the way he always does, Bianc, you'll never believe what happened to me. He said, I said, what's going on? He said, my girlfriend broke up with me. My family had an intervention and I'm in, I was in Narcotics Anonymous and um, uh, uh, I was put into that. And, and um, the first thing they asked me about in this uh, Narcotics Anonymous was who is your higher power? And I remembered you, man, time and time again sharing with me about God's goodness, about the fact that it is better to have a relationship with God. And my, I gave my life to Jesus. It has rocked me. Dude, as he said, as we would say to one another, dude, can you say dude? We say it. We could say dude in more ways than you could shake a stick. My life is never going to be the same again. Well, I am here to tell you that John... Here, 25 years later, is still involved in the party of God. He's partying with Jesus. He partied 13 years with Jesus in China, telling people about His goodness and His grace. He's been an example to me of someone who has sold out for Jesus like few people I've ever known. He's been in ministry 25 years and spent 13 years, as I said, in China as a missionary, inviting hundreds and even thousands of people into this party of God. John found something more valuable The last, as we round the corner, the Father has everything ready. The Father has everything ready. You know Father has everything ready for us now. This is not a party we have to enter into at some other point, in some other time. The, the riches of heaven by the Holy Spirit are here for us. Jesus unpacks in his parable several things which we don't have time to go deeply into. That can keep us, though. And I want to challenge each of us today. Are these things that can keep you from truly entering into the abundance and the fullness of the party of God? Possessions. One of them came back to the, to the banquet and said, I bought a field. He, the possessions were so important to him. Unless, you know, we put our possessions before God, they tend to have us. This man bought a field and he needed to give it, uh, he needed to go see it oftentimes possessions come between us and God work and career one of them said i just bought five yoke of oxen and i need to go try them out see these are not horrible sins really the scary place is these uh, at times is these things that that seem things but can overtake that role of God in our lives and the last one someone says i just got married its relationships possessions work and relationships that can keep us back from the kingdom party that god has for us in the here and in the now you know the last thing i want to say about this is that the father he gets angry and he gets angry at the fact that people didn't say yes to his invitation is it because he's 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 um uh you know petty about his his uh, invitation no it is because god is different He doesn't blow up in anger. What does He do? He becomes even more gracious. And He says, Go out and tell anyone who will come to come into My banquet. The Father invites the poor and the broken. Jesus says this in the parable, Go to the ones that have been overlooked. Go to the poor, to the cripple, and to the blind. You know, we in this church, we in this church and we in this movement want to be focused on the people that are the poor and and, and, and this world and the needy. Of course, we're focused on people of all All types. But you know, those are the people oftentimes. The homeless, the refugee, the at-risk kids, the prisoner, the orphan. These are the ones that the party in God is going after in a voracious way, in in an intense way. And we want to be a part of that with Him. If we'd stand as the band comes up, I want to close with an invitation for you today. As I said before, you can come to that last uh, the conclusion here, which is, well, that's a little bit before, but the conclusion again is that evangelism really is simply inviting people into the party of God. It's something that God wants for us to see. And uh, for those of you who are on a spiritual journey here, I want you to know I'm delighted you're here today. It's a thrill to have you. And I want to play my part in inviting you into this party. Inviting you into this party of God. I don't know what your background is, what you've been through, but I want to invite you. And uh, there's one entrance ticket to this party, right? If you go to the Patriots game at 1 o'clock today and you try to to give them something else besides that one type of ticket, it's not going to suffice. You're not going to see Tom Brady throw five touchdowns. But the reality of the matter is that this ticket is free. Whoever would call on the name of Jesus would enter in would enter in. The Apostle Paul says in Acts 4.12, Salvation is found in no one else. For there is no other name by which we must be saved but by the name of Jesus. We can't enter that party with a counter invitation. We can't do enough good works. We, can own, we can't live to our religious systems. We're restricted to depending on Jesus alone. Over 2,000 years ago, Jesus came to this earth From heaven to earth, he lived as a sinless man for 33 years and falsely accused, murdered on a cross, which was actually the electric chair of its day. On that cross, Jesus took the sin of the world on his shoulders. The place in heaven is prepared for those who believe on Jesus.